Happy New Year, everyone. Hope you had a great holiday season. Excited to get back to work, get back into the swing of things. Uh, thank you for allowing us to be out this week. We were in Sugarland, uh, ministering for Dad over there. Did uh, Did y'all enjoy Pastor Renee this week? Good, good. I'll be sure and tell her. Um, it's the beginning of the new year, and the new year is always uh, a great time for resolutions, New Year's resolutions, New Year's uh, resolves. I resolve to do this differently. I resolve to do this better. I resolve this or that. I love New Year's resolutions, and, and uh, even though many of them don't make it throughout the whole year. They don't become old year resolutions. They sometimes stay New Year. Um, I, I do think that I encourage all of us to take part of this, uh, to get some fresh start on some things, a, a, a fresh start on getting out of debt, a fresh start on improving your marriage, on uh, educating yourself, on praying more, on losing a few pounds, getting healthy, whatever that means in your life. I encourage you uh, to have a, a, some New Year's resolutions and start the year off right. Don't wait until next week. Because next week will turn into next week, will turn into next week, and next thing you know, it'll be Christmas again. Can you believe 2012 is already over? Man, that was a fast year. They seem to be speeding up. Is anybody else noticing that? Golly, they seem to be speeding up. When I was a kid, it seemed like forever. Years were like, I was like six for at least three years, I know. But uh, man, once I crossed 30, it was like, man, I, I, I still feel like 28. I don't know what happened. <laughs> Uh, I want to challenge you in one specific area tonight. It's going to seem very simple at first, but as we walk through the scripture, you're going to see it is uh, more difficult and more challenging than one might think. I want to talk to you on the subject today, and I'm taking my title directly out of the scripture, the title of the section I'm going to be reading to you tonight. And the title is simply this, The Untamable Tongue. The Untamable Tongue. Let's turn to James chapter 3. Verse 1, we're going to read 12 verses there, we're going to read this whole section, uh, and then we'll come back and go uh, verse by verse as we break it down. The untamable tongue. James chapter 3, verse 1, if you're there, say amen. Amen. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For everybody who wants to be a teacher or a preacher, don't forget about this one. Uh, I I have a stricter judgment on my life. That's just the truth of the matter. Um, It's why the Bible also says that to give honor, uh, 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 special honor to those who labor in the teaching and the preaching of the word. Why? Because there's also a stricter judgment. But that's not the message for tonight. Verse 2. For we all stumble in many things. How many can agree to that? If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires." Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little kindle fires. No, excuse me. A little fire kindles. 
And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives and a grapefruit, a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt, water, and fresh. Wow, some challenging words from James there. I like James. Uh, If you ever just want to take a book and study it, this is a great book to study. There's so much depth. And the other thing I like about James uh, is he doesn't write uh, quite as complicated as the Apostle Paul does. Peter even referred to it in one of his letters about how complicated the the Apostle Paul writes because he can be hard to understand. How many of you know that? But James tells it like it is. The tongue, what what does he say here? The tongue is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. I'm just laying it out there for you. I like that about James. Look at verse 2 right here. Uh, For if we all stumble in many things, for we all stumble in many things, if anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man. So watch this. If you can fix your words, watch, you are able also to bridle the whole body. So whatever in your life coming through your body that you are struggling with, uh, let's say you're struggling with an addiction of one kind or another, if you can control your tongue, you can control your addiction. Think about that. If you are struggling with bitterness and anger in your life, if you can control your tongue, you can control your bitterness and anger. This is what James is saying here. If you could fix it, you could fix the rest. All those things on your list, all those uh, New Year's resolutions, if you could fix this, you could fix them. It all starts with the tongue. Challenging thought. I want to look at four points today as we go through these verses of Scripture. I want to keep in mind a Scripture most of us know, Proverbs 18, verse 21. Death and life are in what? The power of the tongue. Let's keep that scripture in our mind as we go through what James is saying here. First point tonight is that simply this. The tongue is disproportionately powerful. It's disproportionately powerful. Verse 2 and 3, let's go back and read them. Uh, he is perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. I've had quite a bit of experience with horses, uh, not as much as some, more than a lot others. And what I have here is what we call a bridle. Has anybody ever put one of these on a horse? Um, I have. Basically, what you're going to do, Ronnie, can you be my guinea pig today? Or can you be my quarter horse today? All right, come over here. (laughs) So let's say this is the horse's head. Ronnie's head is the horse's head here. Ronnie, open up your mouth. Spit out your gum. No, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You sit down, man. Uh, basically, <laughs> basically, what happens here is 
Uh, the horses, this goes over the horse's ears. One ear goes through this one hole. See there? Why one instead of two? I don't know, but this is how they designed it. And then his mouth goes over this metal piece right here. This is what we call the bit. Okay? This goes under his, stra- uh, under his chin to make sure you keep it in place. So this is, this is what goes in the horse's mouth. Notice it swivels like this. The reason for that is you have these two things called reins. Has anybody ever seen any of this before? Some of you are like, man, this is brand new, Pastor. Revelation. Appreciate that. Appreciate you bringing some revelation here on Wednesday night. So the reins is what the rider holds. So it's something like this. Uh, and the, and the, the, they come down and, and you hold them up by the saddle horn. Keep them, keep, you want to keep your hands nice and low. Or depending on what you're doing, you might want them nice and high. Uh, on, if you're riding one of my father's horses, don't go yanking things around. Those horses will spin around in a heartbeat on you because they're very touchy. You just, you just lay the rein over one side or the other. They do exactly what they're supposed to do. But before Dad uh, worked his way up and learned how to train a horse properly, we had a few unruly horses of ourselves. And basically, you had to do a lot of yanking and pulling. And if you wanted to go to the right... You would grab the right rein, and you would yank on that joker right there, and just the bit being pulled in his mouth would cause this massive animal to turn and go where you told him to. If you wanted to go to the left, you grab the left rein, and you pull it that way. Thankfully, uh, uh, when, when I'm riding dad's horses and, and the horses I've had over the last few years, hadn't had one since I've had kids, but uh, they're, they're a lot more trained than that, and you just touch them one way or the other, and uh, we call them automatic. They just, they just do what they're supposed to do. Uh, my little nephew, Parker, who's four years old, even before he turned four, this dude can ride a horse, man. He is not scared. You put him up on that big horse, he grabs that rein, and he just lay, that horse just goes everywhere he wants to go. It is the coolest little thing. Uh, my son has decided he's scared of them all of a sudden, and uh, my nephew Peyton has decided he's scared of them. They're all scared of them except for Parker, but Parker is a real deal cowboy. Um, but this is, this is what James is talking to. Bits have changed some over the course of the years, over the centuries, but basically it's the exact same process. Uh, you have different styles, you have different shapes. Uh, a lot of uh, Mexican or Spanish bits had a real high pitch right here, which went deeper in their mouth, gave them a little more control over the horse. There are all types of ways you can do it, but it's the same principle. This little bitty bit right here, specifically this piece in their mouth, the center bar right there, can control a 1,200-pound animal. Some are even bigger than that. Some are 1,500 pounds even bigger than that. Some are smaller. But, but this is what James is saying. This is, this is the power of the tongue. It's just like the bit in a horse's mouth. This, this small little piece can control the whole horse. And in the same way... This, the, 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 our tongue, which is not very big, most of us, uh, can still control so much of our lives and we don't even realize it. It's disproportionately powerful. You, if you get on a 1,200-pound horse, a 1,200-pound horse should be telling you where to go, not it, you tell it where to go. But why is it that my 4-year-old nephew, who might weigh 35 pounds, can get up on a 1,200-pound animal and it will do exactly what he tells it to do? Because the bit is disproportionately powerful. And in your life, the first thing that James is is teaching us here through this illustration of, of the horse and the bit and the bridle is that your tongue is disproportionately powerful in comparison to the rest of your life. Verse 4, he gives us another illustration. He said, look also at ships. 
Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Same principle. He says, okay, some of you are not ranchers and farmers. You don't have horses. No big deal. A few of you are sailors. Uh, you know, a few of you grew up going out on ships. So here it is. You take this massive ship, but you put a small rudder on the back, and wherever the pilot turns that, that rudder is where the ship goes to. This happens in storms, and this happens in peaceful times as well. The rudder is very important. I don't know if you've ever spent any time on a ship or on a boat. Uh, when I was growing up, when I turned about 15, uh, we went out, our family went out and purchased a boat, spent a lot of time on that boat. In uh, a couple occasions, we had some problems with it, and suddenly the motor or the rudder, in this case, they were combined into one, quit working. And how many of you know when you're floating along in, in the river or the ocean and your rudder is not working, it may not be a storm outside, but you're still going to just go floating on by the dock where you're wanting to go because you can't, you can't get there. And, and that's the same way our tongue does is it is giving us direction in our life. It is pointing us in the way that we're supposed to go. And if you, don't, and if you let it get out of control, it'll take you in the wrong way. When I was um, a few years ago, we went on a, a guy's trip, me and my dad, my father-in-law, my brother-in-law, and a few other pastors, uh, uh, family pastors, friends of ours, and we went whitewater rafting through the Royal Gorge in Colorado, one of the most incredible things I've ever, ever done in my life. Uh, I highly recommend it uh, for, for anybody that likes to seek a little thrill every now and then. It was, it was incredible. As we're going through the Royal Gorge, um, there is this one, um, one rapid, they named the rapids, the, the deals and one rapid called wall slammer. And the reason why is because as you drop off into this hole, uh, if you don't steer correctly, there is a 3000 foot wall, uh, a stone wall right in front of you. And if you don't steer correctly, you will slam into it. Therefore they call it wall slammer. So I'm in the boat, it's me, me and Ryan are in the front, and my dad and father-in-law are behind us, and a doctor that was with us, and the guide, and the guide says, now when we come up on wall slammer, you're going to have to keep paddling and keep steering the boat. That's how you steer the boat is with these paddles, and so if you don't keep paddling, keep steering, you're going to hit that wall, and it's gonna, you're, you're not going to want to steer because you're dropping off this Cat 5 rapid, but you need to keep steering. I'm in the front corner staring at the wall. Here we go off the edge. I'm paddling like crazy. I look back. No one else is paddling. <laughs> They're in the middle of the boat. <laughs> Let me just explain something to you. I figured out why they called it the wall slammer. As I crushed up into the wall, ugh, I, the boat just collapsed on top of me. At least it felt that way anyway. Uh, but the reason why is because we stopped steering. You got to know something about your life. When you get in the middle of a difficult situation and, and everything's going on around you. If you're not careful, the first thing that will happen is you'll change your tongue and your tongue will start speaking the wrong thing and it will cause you to crash. It was the natural thing to do when we dropped off of that rapid. You believe me, it was a huge drop, is to grab hold and just hang on for dear life. But we stopped steering and thus we hit the wall. Now, thankfully, we made it out alive. We made it through. But whether in good times or bad, if you, uh, if you allow your tongue to get away from you, it'll steer you in the wrong way. 
So that's the second thing he gives us. The third illustration he gives us is, is he says in verse 5, See how great a forest a little fire kindles. A forest fire can start with one little match, just one little ember. People don't go out and say, I think I'll start a forest fire today. Let me pour some gasoline through the, for, through the forest and throw some matches on it and, and get a big forest fire going. People don't typically do that. Typically, it's by accident. One, little, one, one person uh, forgets to put the fire completely out or, or uh, throws something out the window and that, that, you know, whatever may happen and, and fires start just like this. A campfire gets away from you. I don't know if you've ever seen the remnants of a, of a massive forest fire, uh, but it's scary uh, when you see the damage that can be inflicted when, when a fire gets away from you uh, and, and takes over a forest. But, but notice here what happens. Let's, let's read the verse again. Uh, And I want you to see something here. Verse 5. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. The verbiage here now. The forest is full of wood and leaves and things that burn. It is ready to burn. It has all of the fuel and ammunition it needs to burn like crazy, doesn't it? It only needs something to start the fire. And that's what our tongue does. Tongue doesn't have to, you don't have to say enough stuff to to burn up a whole forest. All you have to do is say enough stuff to get the fire started. See how great a forest, a a little fire kindles, just gets it started. You ever started a fire in your, in your fireplace? You need a little kindling, just something to get it going. That's what our, our words can be. It's just enough to get it going, and then things take off in our life, and they get out of control. Well, what happened? We started a fire with our words. The tongue, you see, is disproportionately powerful. You okay tonight? Yeah. All right. Number two, the tongue is inherently evil. Verse 6. Verse 6, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. This is some some talking. He's he's preaching to these folks now. It, It is a world of iniquity. It's a world of wickedness. It is a world of evil. It's not just something little. This thing is a mess. It's a whole world of it. Uh, but, but what I want you to know is I said it's inherently evil because your tongue came this way. This is standard operating equipment for the tongue. You didn't, you didn't cause this. This is just the way it is. Once the fall happened, from there on out, our tongues are inherently evil. When you were born, it's inherently evil. We have to be taught to say good things. We don't just naturally say good things. We have to teach our kids to say, thank you, no ma'am, yes ma'am, yes sir. How many of your kids were just born coming out saying, saying that? What's one of the first words your kid learned? No. This is what he says. This is the default setting. Watch what he says here. The tongue is so set. It was set this way. You, you didn't make it this way. It was set this way. So you have to, you have to, uh, it, it, it was set to destruction mode. What we have to do uh, is, is get, we, you know what we need to do? We need to get our tongues born again. Uh, you were born evil. You need to be born again. 
We have to teach our tongue to be nice. We have to train it. We have to work with it, just like we do our kids. It's much easier to say evil things. The guy said, that woman is a gossip. Nobody believes me, but I've been telling everybody she's a gossip. (laughs) Evil comes natural to the tongue. It's inherent. Number three, the tongue is humanly untamable. This is not good. Because the tongue is humanly untamable. There's nothing you can do as a man to tame your tongue. Pastor Randall, that's not good news. You're right. Let's, let's read so you make sure you know that I'm not making it up. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the seas. So the animals, the birds, the reptiles, and the fish, all of them, they're tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no man, now this word man and the word mankind before you are the same Greek word, just the way it translated into English. So no man or no human can tame the tongue. Say, I didn't make it up. No man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. You can't tame it. You can't do it. It's an unruly evil. It is a restless evil, one version says. What does restless mean? Restless means without rest. It just wants to keep on doing evil. If you let it go, it will just do evil and evil and evil and evil. How many of you have ever experienced that when you or someone else starts talking bad about something, they just keep on going? You've got to force yourself to shut it down because you'll just keep on. Just one more thing. Let me just say this and I'll be done. I didn't mean to say that. Well, you know what? Yes, I did. I I did mean to say that. Why? Because it is a restless evil. You said, I just couldn't stop. Now you know why. Because your tongue is a restless evil. But there's good news. Because your tongue can be tamed, just not tamed by you. Let's go to the Old Testament. Exodus chapter 4, verse 10. Exodus chapter 4, verse 10. This is the story of Moses. Is anybody else hot in here? Some of you are like, yes, no. No, He's got it right there. Okay, Exodus chapter 4, verse 10. Uh, God is calling Moses. Moses is saying, I don't think so, God. Then Moses said to the Lord, this is one of his excuses he gave to the Lord. Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. He said, I got, I got a tongue problem here, God. And, and I had it before you started speaking to me. I had it before I knew you. And I've had it since I knew you. What does that say to us? That says to us, being saved doesn't mean you don't have a tongue problem. Being Christian doesn't mean we don't have a tongue problem. So the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? So here's the good news. He says, who made your tongue? I did. And if I made it, I can control it. I didn't make my tongue. It was, I was blessed with it. (laughs) Maybe cursed with it. But I, I had it when I was born, therefore, it's, it's tough for me to control. But God said, I made your tongue, so I can control it. I can tame it. James said, no man can tame the tongue, but God can. 
Watch what he says in verse 12. Now go and I will be with your mouth. Think about that. He didn't say go and I will be with you. He said, no, go and I'll be with your mouth. (laughs) Your mouth needs a little bit of God. I'm going to be with your mouth. How many of you like to go back over the last year and say, Lord, I wish you had been with my mouth on that day. What trouble would you have not gotten into if the Lord would have been in with your mouth? That's what he says. I will be with you. You go, I'll be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. Lord, teach us what we should say. This should be one of our prayers every single day. Lord, teach me what to say. Oh man, I don't know what to say. Good. That's Jesus. Pastor Ren and I were speechless. That's probably the best thing. <laughs> just, having, just getting real here today, right? Lord, be with my mouth and teach me what to say. If you ever stopped and just asked the Lord, what should I say, Lord? He would teach us, but we have to be willing to submit to him. Let's go to one more verse of scripture on this one. Acts chapter 2. I want you to look at a couple of verses here in light of what we're talking about. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They're filled with the Holy Spirit, and the moment that happens, they begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I want you to notice something here. The first thing that the Holy Spirit did when he filled them was he changed their tongue. If, if, if we're going to tame our tongue, the only way we can do it is through the power of the Holy Spirit. When, when the power of the Holy Spirit is at work in your life, he can fix your mouth. He can change your tongue. He can change the way you speak. He can fix it, but we have to be willing to submit to the Holy Spirit. No wonder there is so much controversy over the gift of tongues. The devil doesn't want us to change our tongues. Why? Because this is his method of attack upon you. Remember Proverbs 18. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. James chapter 3 verse 6 says, My mouth is set on fire by hell. What is he saying? The devil wants to get a hold of your tongue and use it to speak life or to create, I mean, or to to create death in your life. So if he can get a hold of your tongue, he'll he'll convince you to speak your own death out. And whatever you speak out is being produced in your life. He doesn't even have to do anything. All he's got to do is get a hold of your tongue. This is why James said, if you could fix your tongue, you could fix the rest of you. If you could get a hold of this, if you could speak life instead of death, you you could speak the plans of Jesus. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have life more abundantly. How do we get it? We have to speak it. But the, the, the enemy came that to, to steal, to kill, and to kill and to destroy. He came to get in our mouths and cause us to speak it and bring death to our own life. This is his plan. So we have to get, allow the Holy Spirit to take over our lives, to take over our mouths and submit to him. So that when we speak, we're speaking life. They said to Jesus, they, Jesus said, will you leave me too? Speaking to his disciples. And they said, where would we go? For you're the one with the words of life. Lord, speak through me. 
that life may be released. I can't control my tongue, Lord, but in, it, through the power of the Holy Spirit, I can. I can. <clears throat> Number four. Let's go back to James here really quickly. Verse 9 through 12. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Here's the thing I want you to know. Fourth thing, the tongue is productive. Your tongue, your words will produce something in your life. They will. They are producing something right now. The words that you spoke last year are producing something in your life right now. They're producing something right now. They, they are, you are living in the world that was created by your own words. Because life and death are in the power of the tongue. They will produce. It's, it's in the power of the tongue. Something is being produced. What is it in your life? Let's look at what else these verse, verses tell us. 11 and 12. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? What's what he's saying? He's saying a spring, one spring, can't bring both fresh and brackish water at the same time. A fig tree can't produce figs and apples at the same time. An apple tree can't produce apples and bananas at the same time. It doesn't work that way. This is The tongue actually goes against everything in nature. Nature produces what it, it does. That's why it says you shall know a tree by its fruit, right? Because whatever is coming out, that's how you know it. But, but here's the thing. Your mouth is different. Out of the same mouth, you can glorify God and then curse a man who, who God made in his own image. So you can speak life and death out of the same place. James says this, this is against nature, man. It shouldn't be this way, but it is. But it is. It's not possible in nature, yet it is the truth about our mouths. The same tongue can produce death or it can produce life. We can bless or curse. It, it is all up to what comes out of our mouths. It ought not to be so. shouldn't be this way, but it is. We have to submit our tongues to the Holy Spirit in order to stop it. We have to say, Lord, be with my mouth. Lord, teach me what to say, what not to say. I want to read these same verses in the Message uh, Bible. I don't know, did you get it for me? Good. I, I want to read it to you just because it puts some things in perspective. The Message Bible is not one that I go and do uh, great, deep, uh, in-depth theological studying from, but it's a paraphrase Bible. So sometimes when you're struggling to read your version and understand uh, what it's saying, go read the Amplified Version or the, or the Message Bible and give you a little bit clearer picture of what's being said. Let's read it just, just to get the full picture, okay? Don't be in any rush to become a teacher, my friends. Teaching is, a, is highly responsible work. Teachers are held to the strictest standards. And none of us is perfectly qualified. We get it wrong nearly every time we open our mouths. If you could... <laughs> Remember that next time you go home and judge me. He's, he's, he, got that, he, just, he got that all wrong. Just remember, none of us get it right every time we open our mouths. If you could find someone whose speech was perfectly true, you'd have a perfect person in perfect control of life. A bit in the mouth of the horse controls the whole horse. A small rudder on a huge ship in the hands of a skilled captain sets a course in the face of the strongest winds. 
A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. It only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By our speech, we can ruin the world. Think about that. Turn harmony into chaos. What chaos is in your life? Should have been harmony, but harmony, but we turned them that way. We could throw mud on reputation, send the whole world up in smoke, and go up in smoke with it. Smoke right from the pit of hell. This is scary. You can tame a tiger, but you can't tame a tongue. It's never been done. The tongue runs wild, a wanton killer. With our tongues, we bless God our Father. With the same tongues, we curse the very men and women He made in His image. Curses and blessings out of the same mouth. My friends, this can't go on. A spring doesn't gush fresh water one day and brackish the next, does it? Apple trees don't bear strawberries, do they? Raspberry bushes don't bear apples, do they? You're not going to dip into a polluted mud hole and get a cup of clear, cool water, are you? Live well. Live wisely. I want to challenge you this year to live well and to live wisely. Submit your tongue to the Holy Spirit. And out of your mouth, produce life. Here's the good news. You can bless. The same mouth that you can curse, you can bless. Uh, The same things you may have cursed in your life, you can change that into blessing. You can use your words to create life. I don't know if you've ever studied these things, those of you that married, uh, but uh, uh, in, in marriage counseling and, and uh, teaching about healthy marriages, there's a great teaching on the five love languages. You've probably heard me talk about it before. Uh, gifts, acts of service, uh, quality time together, um, uh, physical touch, and the fifth one is words of affirmation. I wonder if that might not be the most powerful of them all. And even if your spouse speaks a different love language, you should regularly practice words of affirmation. Why? Because you're producing something in your marriage. You're producing something in your kids. When you are loving your kids, you're producing something in them. What are you producing? Because the mouth, the tongue will produce. I want to make sure it's producing life. Words of affirmation, lifting them up, building them up because my words contain power. You can close your Bibles this evening. Let me ask you a couple of questions here. What is it that the Holy Spirit wants to say through you? What is it that He wants to change in your life, rearrange in your life, get back on track in your life, that He wants to to get right, but He can't do it because you're speaking the wrong thing? Where does He want to bring life for you? What areas seem to be dying and God wants to bring life? We've got to submit our, our tongues to the Holy Spirit. I said to you, our tongues need to get saved. They need to get born again. And maybe they do. It's in submission. God, my tongue is in submission to you. If you could submit your tongue to the Holy Spirit, the rest of your life could follow suit. Would you stand with me today? I want to challenge you and I want to pray over you. What areas of your life do you need to submit your tongue and allow life to be released? Your tongue will produce something. What is it producing for you? Father, I pray for every person in this room today. 
Father, for the words that I have spoken and that others have spoken that have produced death, for the times when our, our tongues have been uh, unruly and, and out of control, Father, we ask that you would help us and give us a second chance to speak life, to allow our tongues to be submitted to the Holy Spirit. Uh, Father, be with our mouths this year. Be with our mouths this year. You control what we say and what we don't say, oh God. Lord, let us be people who produce life everywhere we go. Why? Because we're speaking the words of life. I thank you for it right now in the name of Jesus. For everything we've cursed. For everything we are having to deal with because of, of the world we created with our words. Father, I pray that you would begin to turn it around right now. As we begin to speak words of life, I, I declare that things are beginning to shift. in our marriage, and our homes, and our relationships, and our jobs, and our businesses, and our relationship with you. In uh, every part of our lives, things are beginning to shift and turn around right now, Lord God. As we speak words of life. The power of life. I thank you for it right now in the name of Jesus. Amen.